Hey, Fidelity. What's it cost to invest with the Fidelity app? Start with as little as $1 with no account fees or trade commissions on U.S. stocks and ETFs. Hmm, that's music to my ears. I can only talk. Investing involves risk, including risk of loss. Zero account fees apply to retail brokerage accounts only. Zero dollar commission applies to online U.S. equity trades and ETFs and retail Fidelity accounts. Sell order assessment fee not included. Some account types and securities excluded. Details at fidelity.com slash commissions. Fidelity Brokerage Services, LLC. Member NYSE SIPC. Dietz and Watson's been making meats and cheeses the right way since forever. What's that mean? It means never cutting corners, ever. It means cooking, not processing. It means our Virginia brand ham that's cooked to perfection, then twice baked to layer the flavors. It takes more time, but you can taste the difference. We come to work every day to do it the right way, even if it's the hard way. Because if it's not right for us, it's not right for you. Dietz and Watson, it's a family thing since 1939. Welcome to Bet the Edge. I'm Jay Croucher here with Drew Dinsick, who is in a new, undisclosed, still European location. Uh, different lighting, uh, more happening in the background today. I'm um, so interested to see how that scene kicks up as the show goes on. But uh, today we're going to talk Pats Jets, we're going to talk Falcons Lions, Bears Chiefs, and then close out with our best bets uh drew patriots jets pats two and a half point favorites the total is a uh, magnificent 36 and a half uh any hope for zach wilson or no hope i mean uh i can only go on the data i have jay and that is that bill belichick owns zach wilson's soul um and realistically the Patriots defense is probably the worst possible matchup the Jets could be facing at this moment um, where they are coming off of an embarrassing defeat at the hands of the Cowboys and now have to take on another team that can generate consistent pressure against their weak offensive line and a quarterback who can't really get through his progressions on a good day uh, against the secondary that's going to be doing some confusing looks and really just kind of giving Zach Wilson um, the business in terms of uh, making it hard on him. Um, I mean, I hate to borrow like a very, very old cliche, but uh, the idea that Zach Wilson could be seeing ghosts, I think is very much in the cards here. Uh, and, you know, the Patriots defense finally finding a way to um, really keep an opponent well, well under their team total seems in the cards in this one. Um, and I honestly came away with the, a takeaway from the, Patriots Dolphins game the second time I watched it that the Patriots are figuring a couple of things out I think on offense um, and this has been a little bit of a characteristic of the Belichick uh, offenses in years past where they use the early part of the season to sort of you know get their feet under them try some different things out they obviously the you know abbreviated mini camp uh, cycle and the abbreviated preseason now uh, has really uh, made it tough for Belichick to have his team firing on all cylinders offensively out of the gate. Uh, You compound that last year with the, uh, you know, the added, you know, challenge of getting over Matt Patricia as your offensive coordinator. And I think, you know, we may see a mini um, emergence here of a Patriots offense that uh, has some, life with a offensive line that is getting healthier. I'm expecting Trent Brown. I'm hoping 
Trent Brown will go. I guess I shouldn't say expecting. Hoping Trent Brown will go. Uh, I like what I'm seeing from some of the weapons and how they are vibing with um, uh, Mac Jones. And I like the way the Patriots in general are using Mac, Mac Jones out of the pocket, getting him on the move. Uh, and when he is more mobile, uh, I think that added element to his game makes the stuff that he does well, the stuff that he is you know, especially effective at, uh, that much more difficult to predict, difficult to expect. Uh, and so, in general, going up against a defense that's excellent, uh, but is a little bit frustrated right now with how their offense is playing, I, I think this sets up well for uh, Pats to get a win and Pats uh, ultimately uh, to keep, uh, you know, keep the Jets into the, uh, you know, the low teens, if that. Yep. And I think there's a bit of... Uh, a narrative or a thought going around that, you know, certain teams, they look worse than they actually are because of the strength of the opposition they face in the first two weeks. Like, that's a really popular thing at the moment with, I guess, rationalizing away the Steelers' offense because they've had to play the Niners' defense and the Browns' defense. Or Zach Wilson has had to go against the Bills' defense off of coming into the game randomly after Rodgers goes down, and then he has to play... The Cowboys' defense, uh, which is the best in the league, uh, and I get that, but at the same time, like even if you're playing a really good defense, it's not like the best defense in the league manifests itself on every single play. Like Kenny Pickett is still terrible when he's been uh, kept clean. Zach Wilson is still making terrible decisions. Uh, it's not like uh, every single play is just you cannot overcome it because of the quality of the opposing defense. And Wilson, I mean, he has looked terrible so far. I'm not sure if there's anything left there um, beyond him just being just he's going to be perpetually a bottom three quarterback until further notice. And then on the other side, I agree. Mac Jones looks better. The offense just looks a little more coherent. Right now, he's got the 12th best PFF grade by quarterback. Neutral luck EPA is 20th in the league among quarterbacks. Like It just seems like he's kind of an average quarterback. He's back to uh, the guy that he was in his rookie season as opposed to kind of the debacle um, that was last year um, in the Patricia uh, Judge offense. So I agree. I don't think uh, there is much hope. For the Jets, uh, I wanted to believe in Robert Sala, coach of the year, uh, in the narrative of him lifting the Jets into the playoffs. But I just I don't think Zach Wilson's getting out of the bye week uh, four weeks from now because their schedule is brutal. Uh, and you can tell what the market thinks of the Jets, given that they're two and a half point dogs at home to a Patriots team that is uh, 0-2 and, and, and not exactly formidable uh, i think this patriots defense is legitimate it's a top five top seven unit um all of the hype has been about jalen carter and to a lesser extent will anderson but just quietly christian gonzalez is the fourth rated cornerback in the nfl by pff grade and kind of shut down tyree kill when he was matched up on him including an insane interception in front of tyreek so yeah the patriots they just seem like uh the better team in this spot uh anything else on this game Jay, I could rationalize the Steelers' offense stinking in way more ways than just the fact that they played two terrible, two amazing defenses. Uh, you know, we, we could go on and on. Um, but your points about this game, I think, are super fair. Um, Zach Wilson, you gave him bottom three status. Are we sure it's not? Are we, it's, it's bottom one. 
<laughs> ah, that's a good point. All right, I'll go bottom two. That's fair. I'll go bottom two. Um, but uh, no, realistically, uh, that that's a problem. Um, and where I want to go with that is that uh, Zach Wilson lost his starting job last year because why? Because he had a terrible, terrible performance against Bill Belichick and the Patriots. And in the wake of that game, he did not own his own mistakes. He basically was like, yeah, it is what it is. You know, it's other people. You know, he kind of, he shirked the responsibility. And that rubbed the people in the locker room the wrong way. And you know what happened after, uh, you know, like six days after, like a heartening win for this team where they overcame adversity and they won in spite of Aaron Rodgers going down? The leaders in that locker room, the young guys in that locker room, all sounded off on the situation. That is a terrible, terrible sign of things to come for this Jets offense under Zach Wilson. And I think expecting him to be gone by the, uh, you know, the the bye week was fair uh, in the moment that Aaron Rodgers went down. And now I think it's almost a certainty. Like these guys are in win now mode. The fact that you know the year two players are sounding off and that the uh, veterans aren't like you know, squashing that down saying, Hey guys, guys, keep it in wraps. He's a young guy. Like we need him. Like no one's saying we need him. They all know that they can't win with him. And I think that speaks volumes. I think that's fair. Last one on this game. Um, Garrett Wilson, who might be like the sixth most talented wide receiver in football. He is plus 700 to get a hundred receiving yards in this one, which I understand Zach Wilson's the quarterback, but he had 115 last year against the Patriots in a game where Zach Wilson was quarterback. Wilson did have 355 yards against the Pats. It's just he went 20 for 41 uh, and was and threw three picks. But I just don't think Garrett Wilson can be plus 700 to get 100 receiving yards. Uh, it seems a little bit too big. Uh, just he has more. Surely, surely he has more upside and variance than your average receiver who's set at 49 and a half receiving yards. Before moving off. You brought up Christian Gonzalez. You're not nervous about that? Because uh, I got to say, uh, and this is credit to my friends, uh, you know, Ryan Newton and Andy Molitor, uh, who brought this up to my attention. But uh, Bill Belichick is playing Christian Gonzalez 100% of defensive snaps, which is virtually unheard of uh, for a rookie cornerback under, uh, you know, Belichick's reign. Uh, and, you know, it's a tell. I think that is a completely fair read that Belichick believes in this guy. Uh, and you're right. He was amazing against Tyreek Hill. So uh, why can't he do that against uh, a Garrett Wilson who, what do you, you, you have uh, high confidence that his trip to the injury tent was a pride thing and not an actual physical thing. Yeah. We'll see about that. I mean, the thing is, is that when a guy set a 49 and a half receiving yards, which he was last week as well, um, and you're getting plus 700 for 100 plus, like you're riding a fair bit of upside. And yeah, Christian Gonzalez is 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 probably really good, and he's shown that so far. He's also played two games in the NFL, and we've got like uh, <laughs> one one game and then a bizarre game against Buffalo. An example of Zach that's, this season. So I do think there is still some upside in Garrett Wilson. That's fair. Some, uh, some garbage time potential. But uh, just quickly, Christian Gonzalez playing 100 percent of snaps. You know, he's not playing 100 percent of snaps. Is Jalen Carter who plays half the game? <laughs> already, yes. Uh, Gonzalez, D. Roy. Okay, before we get to Falcons, Lions, 
A reminder that Bet the Edge isn't the only show every weekday during the NFL season. You can also check out the Fantasy Football Happy Hour with Matthew Berry, Connor Rogers, and myself. It airs live on Peacock at noon, or he airs at 4 p.m. and is available on our NFL and NBC Sports YouTube channel, as well as wherever you listen to your podcasts. Hey, Fidelity. What's it cost to invest with the Fidelity app? Start with as little as $1 with no account fees or trade commissions on U.S. stocks and ETFs. Hmm, that's music to my ears. I can only talk. Investing involves risk, including risk of loss. Zero account fees apply to retail brokerage accounts only. Zero dollar commission applies to online U.S. equity trades and ETFs and retail Fidelity accounts. Sell order assessment fee not included. Some account types and securities excluded. Details at Fidelity.com slash commissions. Fidelity Brokerage Services, LLC. Member NYSE SIPC. Dietz and Watson's been making meats and cheeses the right way since forever. What's that mean? It means never cutting corners, ever. It means cooking, not processing. It means our Virginia brand ham that's cooked to perfection, then twice baked to layer the flavors. It takes more time, but you can taste the difference. We come to work every day to do it the right way, even if it's the hard way. Because if it's not right for us, it's not right for you. Dietz and Watson, it's a family thing since 1939. Falcons at Lions. Lions are only three-point favorites. The market does not really respect uh, the Detroit Lions. Uh, and the total is 46. What's your read on this one, Drew? Injuries for the Lions. Telling the tale. Uh, the market is, I think, correctly pricing in the absence of CJGJ, who was the emotional leader in a very short amount of time that he has been a Detroit Lion. Uh, I thought at least uh, his his impact could have been somewhat muted, um, but the way that he sort of had command on the field in the game against the Chiefs on the road was like noteworthy. Like well, you, it was eye popping. Wow. Like, oh man, maybe the Eagles shouldn't have let him out the let him go out the door. Like I I I will be completely honest with you. When the Eagles let CJGJ walk. My assumption was, well, they know better than me, and he's not as good as I think. But what I saw in the very, very small amount of time he played for the Lions was a guy that absolutely matters. Now they have, uh, you know, huge issues, you know, backfilling that particular talent spot on the roster. Uh, and I am worried about Amon Ross and Brown being able to create uh, separation in this game. If he goes limited, uh, best of luck beating AJ Terrell, who is playing at an all pro level right now. Um, and I think the Falcons may not be able to create anywhere close to the amount of pressure we've seen from them through two games, um, but they can definitely cover this Lions team and make the Lions try to beat them on the ground. I think the Falcons in general are going to do exactly what we expect from them and just run it down the throats of the Lions. The Lions in general, I think, are an incomplete defense. You can find ways to really make them pay. I would prefer an elite quarterback going against them instead of a bottom two quarterback, as we will talk about later, I'm sure, in more in a minute. Uh, but uh, I feel like this is going to be an ongoing joke from the football gods where they're just going to force this Falcons team uh, to continue to win games, continue to cover games. Uh, despite having uh, absolutely just horrific quarterback play. Um, and uh, I think if I had to make a bet on this game, I'm taking plus three, plus 100. Um, and I'm feeling pretty decent about it because I think Falcons realistically could ultimately uh, win. Uh, and I think the modal outcome is the uh, Lions winning by three. So Lions winning by margin, I think, is the one outcome I'm the least um confident in and some of that is because of the strength of the falcons d and the passing uh passing d in particular 
uh, and the fact that in general the um, uh, you know the the, the lions. Um, being favorites in this game reflects the fact that they are comeback kings. Like they, they you know, no lead is going to be safe here. Um, even though the uh, the Falcons can run the ball, I think in general the the Lions are going to be able to throw their way back in. Um, so you know, Lions just in general having life as a live bet, life as a second half bet. Uh, is a fun one to add, but I think you need to go in this with some sort of Falcons position because um, there's a decent chance that the Falcons, uh, you know, ultimately can, um, you know, can get those high leverage wins one v one in a passing game in the end of game state, uh, and uh, and you know, and if they do have a lead in this one, that Bijan Robinson could put it away. Yeah, I do think there is probably a live betting angle to this game, um, which you kind of touched on in that. This Falcons team has such a weird and unique profile where so much of their value is tied to being able to be in game scripts where they can leverage running the ball. And if the Lions are up like 14 at the end of towards the end of the third quarter, then the live line is going to be built off the pre-match line of Falcons being three points worse. And at that point, I would have to think that the Falcons are much less likely than your average three-point dog to be able to cover what the live line is when they're down 14, given that Desmond Ritter right now looks like Zach Wilson uh, competing for the worst quarterback in the NFL. Uh, So I think that is probably one way to approach the game. I do think that... Detroit, like their injury report right now, like Taylor Decker hasn't logged the practice. Kirby Joseph hasn't. David Montgomery hasn't. Vitae hasn't. Amon Ra keeps on, he's banged up the first two games and he's logged a limited practice. He should be fine with the toe, but also just kind of another thing to, to track. And meanwhile, the Falcons, like they do have, you know, some talent on defense for the first time in a while. And AJ Terrell and Jesse Bates has been fantastic. And David Onyemata and Grady Jarrett is still there as one of the handful of best interior defensive linemen. So it's just, it's a very strange team where they have this young defense and a great offensive line and maybe already the best running back in football. And then they just have Desmond Ritter. And he's he was awful against the Packers. It was unbearable to watch him throw. Uh, and that is probably going to submarine them. And I would say it's it has to be favorite, right, Drew, that Taylor Heineke gets a run at some point as the starting quarterback of that team, right? Do you think? I mean, I feel like Heineke, he has a higher ceiling, yeah, but he also has a higher likelihood of turning the ball over. Don't you think? I mean, yeah, I, right now, Ritter, like, this is the basement. Like, I know Taylor Heineke's not good either. <laughs> I'm like, he's better than what Ritter has shown. And if this team... Like if they win this game, they're three and zero, and they've got a really easy schedule and a really bad division. Like this could be, they could be competing for a top two, three seed, and are they gonna? What are they gonna do? Are they gonna go to San Francisco in the playoffs with Desmond Ritter? Like it just doesn't seem that that's really viable. My my gut read is that they look at this roster and they realize they are not possibly like comeback is not. Like, yeah, I I think you nailed it in the game script part of things. If this is a negative game script. Put a nail in this sucker. If it and I think they know that they can't find themselves in a negative game script to the tune of, you know, their quarterback giving the opposing team a short field or giving their opposing team a defensive touchdown. And so I almost think they will be fine with safe, lousy quarterback play if it means that they are. You know, within one score for 56 minutes a game. Uh, and that's a terrible, you know, entertainment product. But uh, I mean, welcome to the Atlanta Falcons 2023, Jay. 
yeah, it's uh, it's not great. I will say, like, you have to stick with Ritter for now because, like, there's no chance Taylor Heineke's good. There's just no chance. There's no upside left uh, in that bucket. But there is in Desmond Ritter. At least he still is young. He has only started a handful of games. We're two weeks into the season. There is a chance, however small, that he might turn into a serviceable quarterback. And we haven't shut that door yet. But I'm almost ready to shut the door, to be honest. I've sort of seen so far from Ritter, but there is still some hope there. Last one on this game. Uh, there is a new crusade, Drew, in the betting in the futures market. Bijan Robinson can't be 35 to 1 to an offensive player of the year. He's the third favorite to win the rushing title. He is leading his team. Uh, I believe he's leading his team in a targets or routes run. He's basically their best receiver, and he's clearly the guy at running back now that his snap count and carry count went up versus Algier last week. Uh, he's already the number one running back in football by PFF grade. He's on a 2-0 and team as the clear and lone identity of that offense. The only reason he's 35-1 to in the market and not plus 800 is because he's a rookie. It just doesn't matter that he's a rookie. It does not matter. Like voters were fine giving offensive player of the year to the guy they gave MVP for years. And it's like, it's offensive player of the year. It's not MVP. It's not DPOY. I don't think anyone's going to be like, oh, we've already given him offensive rookie of the year. We thus cannot give him offensive player of the year if he's the most deserving. Like that's just not, that's not a thing. Maybe it's a slight thing if it's neck and neck with McCaffrey or Tyree Kill or whatever, but I don't think that's going to rear its head. Certainly not to create... Uh, that level of disparity between what I think his price should be versus what it is in the market. And lastly on this, Drew, most amazing stat for me out of week two of the NFL season, Bijan Robinson played 24 snaps at wide receiver while also running for over 100 yards on the ground. He is a freak. He is a generational prospect. This is like, this is Adrian Peterson. It's rookie Saquon Barkley all over again, maybe even better than rookie Saquon Barkley. Uh, what do you think, 35 to 1? I, I mean, I, I get it. <laughs> the price is right. Um, the and what, and what's funny is the last time we talked, I think the final, the closing segment was, is Micah Parsons viable for MVP? Um, the, the NFL right now is lacking so much juice in terms of story, narrative, things people can be excited and entertained about that we are literally being like, could the defensive player of the year also win an MVP? Would he win both awards? How do we handicap that market? Could the offensive rookie of the year also win offensive player of the year? Is that a possible thing? Like, this is where we are. Like, we are that we are lacking that much juice this season. Uh, and I think where we stand right now, uh, Bijan Robinson, 100% warrants consideration. Uh, and the idea that he wouldn't get it because he's a rookie is nonsense. Um, in the same way that, uh, you know, Micah Parsons couldn't win defensive player of the year and MVP. Um, if he wins MVP, he better win defensive player of the year. <laughs> I guess that's where I'm at. <laughs> I think with Bijan, just to close the book on this, like I'd have McCaffrey, Tyreek, Jefferson, that's your tier one. I think Bijan is tier, if that's tier 1A, Bijan's tier 1B, tier 2, but then there's a gap after him to whoever comes next, like Tony Pollard. Um, Whoa, you're, these names you're throwing out don't even feel in the same planet. Exactly, it's those top four and then a big gap and then quarterbacks, like Mahomes got, Mahomes had an insane season last year. He's 52, 50 passing yards, 41 touchdowns, one seed, didn't have any wide receivers. He got 10 out of 50 offensive player of the year votes. Like this is a skill position player award now. 
uh, and it's those top four uh, and then Daylight, I think. So Bijan, uh, 35 to 1, still out there. Uh, I think he should be more like a third of that price, to be honest. Let's, uh, let, let's just keep finding and, and retweeting his hype videos and we'll see where this goes. Yes, exactly. That helps that uh, he does have the sky cam. The sky cam is very. The sky cam is holding a thirty-five to one OPOY ticket. All right. Before we get to our uh, Bears Chiefs, it's an old-time AFC rivalry renewed on Sunday night as TJ Watt and the Steelers travel to the desert to face Devontae Adams and the Raiders in Las Vegas. Coverage begins at seven PM Eastern, only on NBC and Peacock. All right, Chiefs are 12 and a half point favorites over uh, the very uh, functional Bears organization right now. Uh, the total is 48. Uh, what do you think is the best way to attack this game? You know, anytime we get to week three, Jay, and you have a team that's 0 2, but has looked better than their statistics would tell you, uh, and people have kind of written them off as dead, uh, but they're catching 12 and a half points, uh, you got to take them. Uh, that does not apply to the Bears. <laughs> I don't think there is really anything you can say about what is going on right now uh, that suggests that this team is going to turn it around in any way, shape, or form. The distractions they've dealt with this week on top of uh, the fact that they realistically have not figured out how to utilize Justin Fields and the fact that there is just a general kind of lack of uh, vision in terms of what they need to be doing to develop him as a player is extremely concerning. I think, um, you know, there is going to be more chaos in Chicago before we even get to the midpoint of the season here. Uh, and I think some of the questions that we were asking about the way polls constructed this team in the offseason are already very, very clearly evident. This is a team that has invested a lot in players that are at non-premium positions that are not making an impact. And Justin Fields, in general, uh, was a project and a hair overrated based on every piece of data you had from two seasons of playing lots of football. And they invested in, you know, realistically, they invested a lot in DJ Moore, like getting him back in the trade instead of a future draft pick, uh, keeping fields instead of trading him. These were investments in players that yet have, that have yet to deliver any kind of tangible result. Uh, and I think these, you know, these impacts on top of all of the other uh, issues going on in Chicago are very real. Um, 12 and a half is a lot of points. I get it. Uh, Chiefs in general have not shown you any indication that this is a team that is going to put their foot on the gas against bad teams. Um, you know, kind of the, the, what do you call it? The, uh, um, the idiot handicap of the Chiefs uh, in the last couple of seasons has been, yeah, they only, they only do enough to get a win. They're not going to pull out the good plays. Like they're, you know, this is a team that's going to, uh, you know, dink around and, you know, maybe have, maybe be losing at halftime and then pull out a win by seven. Um, well, I, I think realistically expecting the bears to be able to, uh, produce anything offensively against what has turned out to be a defense that not only finished last season way way stronger than their EPA per play stats indicated in the regular season, but then has carried that forward and gotten even better with the re-immersion of Chris Jones is notable. And yes, it's a one game sample size. They were amazing against the Jaguars. That was, uh, you know, in part Jaguars being Jaguar-y, but it was also the Chiefs being incredible. 
And now they're facing a way softer test. I do not expect the Chiefs defense to let their foot off the gas in this one. Uh, if the Bears score more than, uh, you know, 14 points here, it's because they got some kind of a fluky special teams or defensive touchdown, in my opinion. So uh, I think realistically, this is an underlook. Uh, if you are a buyer uh, in the idea that the Chiefs offense is going to keep the good plays in their pocket until we get into the colder weather months. Uh, if you think the Chiefs are going to try to get right offensively in this game, then we're talking about like 49 to nothing. Yeah, I think it is kind of become underrated that the Chiefs have like a slightly above average defense at the moment and McDuffie and Snead are good corners. Chris Jones is uh, just about the best defensive uh, or interior defensive lineman in the league. Uh, your man, George Carl Aftis, looks better than he did last year on the edge. So they have talent there. Uh, and it was really impressive to hold. Look, the Jags went, I think, 3 of 14 on third and fourth down. That's a little bit fluky. Still, though, even if they convert them at a normal rate, it's still a below average uh, offensive performance. So the Chiefs deserve credit there. I am concerned that Justin Watson appears to be the best Chiefs wide receiver um, at the moment. And Kadarius Tony is already injured and missing practice. Sky Moore look, does not look good. I know he had the big catch uh, against the Jags. Kelsey will be better for the run, certainly. Um, the Chiefs offense just looks off kilter at the moment. But Mahomes looks as good as ever. Um, the better most interested in making uh, on this game. A few people have texted me after the Chiefs, uh, sorry, after the Justin Fields press conference where he kind of semi-called out his coaches. That was a bit overblown, um, being like, oh, well, the Bears, are, this is a bounce-back spot for the Bears. Like, it doesn't matter. Their players are so much worse than Kansas City, so they can be incentivized to win. It doesn't really matter, uh, I think. What I am interested, though, in is... Um, what Justin Fields' rushing prop is going to open at. And uh, it's funny because books right now are up with Patrick Mahomes' rushing prop, but not Justin Fields', uh, because I do think that Fields is probably going to make a conscious effort to run after having, I think, four design runs so far in two weeks when like, he can't really pass. So if he's not running, then there's just no real value to his game. And the thing with Fields is that like last year, he averaged 149 passing yards per game. That is insanely low for a quarterback in this era. And his value was off of these random 60 and 70-yard runs. And that is was always going to be fluky. And he was going to have to make a leap uh, as a passer to be able to provide value. And it seems like, he's, if anything, he's gone backwards in that department. Um, and it's looking more and more like his accuracy in college, which was excellent, is probably just the product of playing at Ohio State uh, because it just has not translated to the NFL uh, at all. So, yeah, it's pretty grim for the Bears at the moment. I think that they're just about the worst team in football, just narrowly in front of maybe the Cardinals and the Texans, but they're right there um, in that bottom mix. Uh, and, yeah, it kind of feels like the season might be over in Chicago already. Okay, before we get to our best bets, a reminder, Saturday, September 23rd at 11 a.m. Eastern, Brad Thomas and Eric Froton uh, are answering your college football betting questions for week four. It's a huge week of top 25 matchups, and we'll have them all covered for you, including number six, Ohio State, headed to South Bend for a battle with number 10, Notre Dame, which is Saturday night on NBC and Peacock. Hey, Fidelity. How can I remember to invest every month? With the Fidelity app, you can choose a schedule and set up recurring investments in stocks and ETFs. 
Oh, that sounds easier than I thought. You got this. Yeah, I do. Now, where did I put my keys? You will find them where you left them. Investing involves risk, including risk of loss. Fidelity Brokerage Services, LLC, member NYSE SIPC. Dietz and Watson's been making meats and cheeses the right way since forever. What's that mean? It means never cutting corners, ever. It means cooking, not processing. It means our Virginia brand ham that's cooked to perfection, then twice baked to layer the flavors. It takes more time, but you can taste the difference. We come to work every day to do it the right way, even if it's the hard way. Because if it's not right for us, it's not right for you. Dietz and Watson, it's a family thing since 1939. Drew, what's your best bet for week three? Yeah, so I'm going to go with the Pats minus two and a half. I like the idea of getting involved with Bill Belichick against Zach Wilson in a game that um, Zach Wilson's teammates look ready to quit on him. Uh, I also like the fact that the Patriots are going to be a little bit more competent on the offensive line here. Uh, You kind of mentioned it now several times on our podcast where uh, Mac Jones looks more like the Mac Jones we expected in terms of progression after what was a very solid rookie year. Um, and he has done that in the face of pretty aggressive pressure regularly because his offensive line has been often injured. Uh, and now they are getting closer to, if not fully healthy, uh, to the tune where he is going to have time to operate. I like what they're doing with him in terms of giving him some release valves and some uh, outside the pocket structure, you know, some outside the pocket design plays, uh, which, uh, you know, kind of has caught some teams by surprise. I think Bill O'Brien is a smart enough offensive coordinator to um, continue to lean in that direction, which I think is exactly what you want to do against the Jets. The Jets have a very aggressive pass rush, which means if you can get your quarterback on the move in some design boots uh, and you can get him some protection in those areas of the field, then you can take take advantage of uh, some of the softer parts of this uh, pass defense. Um, they are looking to you know try to come away with some takeaways here, obviously, um, but I think Mac Jones is playing some pretty clean football right now, so I think the Patriots get away in here i don't know if it's going to be by margin but uh if you're going to give me anything under a field goal i will take it uh bill belichick against zach wilson under a field goal is kind of a bet that you have to make every time you can make it isn't it yep no i'm uh, i'm with you there until we see something more out of zach uh it looks pretty bleak for the jets uh yeah so i'd be on that side as well uh my best bet is uh miami Minus six, home to the Denver Broncos, who are traveling east. Uh, Right now, it looks like Justin Simmons, who hasn't practiced all week. He may not play, which is a problem, as he's the second-best player on that defense after Pat Sertan. Frank Clark not practicing either. On the other side of the ball, Jalen Waddell. uh, It's unclear what his status is going to be. He hasn't logged a practice yet either. But seems like Teron Armstead and Jalen Phillips are both going to play. Uh, and if I'm a Miami backer, I will take Teron Armstead and Jalen Phillips and Justin Simmons out over Jalen Waddle playing. Uh, I just think that this Miami team has the best offense in the league. I think it is outlier good, even if Jalen Waddle uh, is not right to go. I think they have more than enough. Sneakily, this Broncos defense, which everyone expected to be, you know, top six, top eight unit heading into the season, has got 35 points to Sam Howell. And uh, they don't look right at all at the moment. I just think this is a 
they're they're an average defense right now and kind of an average offense uh and they're traveling against what is a juggernaut offense uh and i think a slightly above average defense as well once jalen phillips gets back in the fold uh so yeah i would expect this line to close closer to seven uh so miami minus six is my bet uh the mike mcdaniel coach of the year train rolls on what do you think I think it closes seven as well. I played some over here because I do like what I have seen conceptually from Sean Payton in terms of how he's running this offense now. And I do have questions about the Miami defense. Um, And I might be being a little too greedy here and hoping that this is a close game at halftime um, because the Denver Broncos in this humid, humid conditions of South Florida after two weeks at home at elevation, that is kind of the kiss of death for a lot of, uh, you know, these teams that, uh, you know, are faced with this early in the season. So, um, yeah, uh, ultimately I will be backing the Dolphins, but I'm going to keep some of my powder dry for halftime. Yeah. Uh, Mike McDaniel right now is still looking at plus 850 thereabouts in the market. Coach of the year. If he wins against the Broncos as expected and goes to 3-0, and what does he reopen at? Plus 475, that type of range? I mean, the only other teams that are good are the teams we expected and the Cowboys and the, and the Niners, man. Um, so, yeah, probably. I, I Maybe shorter. Three, 300, I think, is actually realistic expectation if they're 3-0 um, and he's supposed to win this game. So, um, there's no other... I mean, a 3-0 Art Smith Falcons um, has some narrative behind it. Because of what, because of how poorly Raiders playing, uh, and if uh, if Art Smith knocks Dan Campbell out of the conversation, then maybe he is the favorite. But uh, what Mike McDaniel is doing so far, favorite or not, deserves deserves it. Uh, he is, you know, more so than Tua deserves MVP consideration, in my opinion. So, um, no, I think uh, I think you're talking about a two man race between Campbell and McDaniel, or or uh, or uh, Smith and McDaniel uh, after this weekend. Yep, I agree. And the stuff like McDaniel, his little halftime sprint on camera, uh, all of these little kind of persons, the fact that he kind of is like a Pineapple Express character while also being an offensive play caller genius, <laughs> that stuff all helps. People just love him. And this is a narrative <laughs> award. And we saw like Brian Dable won at 9-7-1 and one because people really liked him and he had a good story. And... With, the, with these kind of awards, you always have to think of like, you know, who, who are people going to want to vote for? Who are the, the candidates who have wind at their back? And it's like people are going to want to vote for McDaniel or Dan Campbell or if Art Smith goes 12-5 and five with Desmond Ritter, like those are the guys people are going to want to vote for over Mike McCarthy on a 14-3 and three Cowboys juggernaut. Like That is correct. So, uh, I mean, Mike McDaniel's plus 850 right now. The Dolphins are a lot shorter than that to get the one seed in the AFC. And I find it very difficult to construct uh, cases that could beat McDaniel uh, as a one seed unless Art Smith wants to go, you know, 13 and four and get a two seed with Desmond Ritter. Even then, I'm not sure if McDaniel loses. But uh, yeah, I think that's the best bet on the board at the moment. Bigger question for you, Jay. If the uh, if the Dolphins take care of business, this is your best bet. So let's assume they do. Um, the uh, the Bills take care of business. Uh, what do we see market open for week four? So Bills are at home. I don't know. Bills minus two and a half. 
Does that feel right? Under a field goal. How, how long do you think that lasts? Uh, <laughs> like the Dolphins? I think the Bills are slightly uh, better than the Dolphins. Uh, yeah, I do too. Yeah. So I think two, two and a half is about about right. I would be surprised. Like right now, the look ahead on that is Bills minus three and a half. That seems a little bit rich. No way that opens yeah. three and a half, I don't think. Uh, yeah. So yeah, I think it'll be two and a half. Okay. We are done. Don't forget to check out NBCSports.com for more information to help you with your wages. Thanks, everyone, watching on the NBC Sports YouTube channel. Please rate and subscribe if you're listening to us in podcast form. Also, a reminder to find all your favorite NBC Sports shows on Amazon Music. Just head to Amazon.com slash NBC Sports. I'm Jake Croucher and Rudinsic. Have a great weekend, and we'll see you next week. Hey, Fidelity. What's it cost to invest with the Fidelity app? Start with as little as $1 with no account fees or trade commissions on U.S. stocks and ETFs. Hmm. That's music to my ears. I can only talk. Investing involves risk, including risk of loss. Zero account fees apply to retail brokerage accounts only. Zero dollar commission applies to online U.S. equity trades and ETFs and retail Fidelity accounts. Sell order assessment fee not included. Some account types and securities excluded. Details at fidelity.com slash commissions. Fidelity Brokerage Services, LLC. Member NYSE SIPC. Dietz and Watson's been making meats and cheeses the right way since forever. What's that mean? It means never cutting corners, ever. It means cooking, not processing. It means our Virginia brand ham that's cooked to perfection, then twice baked to layer the flavors. It takes more time, but you can taste the difference. We come to work every day to do it the right way, even if it's the hard way. Because if it's not right for us, it's not right for you. Dietz and Watson, it's a family thing since 1939.